Win now with Stealing Signs. We help you dominate any fantasy baseball league by giving you the information your opponents don't want you to have. So sharpen your pencils, get ready to take some notes, and let's get going. All right, good on you for listening to Stealing Signs, where you are going to get the information you need to win at fantasy baseball. So on the mic, we have Mikey, who is the guru of DFS. He wins at many different fantasy formats, but makes a lot of money on the DFS. He's going to help you out with that. DraftKings. DFS gamblers, get ready. We have the pseudo-scout, Justin. He is in love with young Dominican boys. Hey! Definitely not in reality. (laughs) But in reality, he loves the prospect game. In fact, Justin does a lot of work and does a lot of, actually, boots on the ground and also uh, internet research, uh, so I test internet research on the prospect world. Obviously a huge part of any dynasty league, so that's big. We also have Swag. Swag is the master of, of strategy. He is the Sun Tzu of fantasy baseball. <laughs> we also call him The Commissioner, capital T. He knows how to set up a league. He knows how to run a league. He's got a lot of great advice there. And I'm Tim. They call me The Mechanic. I'm the master of the rebuild. I'm the guy who tries to shorten those cycles between top team performance, winning championships, and then getting back to the championship game. So that's my focus on how to break down a team or how to create a winning team, how to break it down and create another winning team quickly. So for episode one, we're going to look at three basic lead types. We're going to look at the redraft league where you redraft every year. We're looking at starting up a brand new fantasy league. And then we're going to also talk about uh, what we call a late stage dynasty league. Now let's look at redraft leagues, fellas. What do you think about redraft leagues? When the redrafts, I am a firm believer. I have been for quite some time in getting those tougher positions sealed up. So I'm a catcher guy. I want one of the top catchers. I'm generally the guy that'll take him uh, around earlier than he's supposed to just to make sure. But my goal going in is generally um, outside of the catcher. I'm looking at the, the two best bats and the two best arms in those first four rounds, if I can still get my catcher afterwards. And, and generally, I try to take my catcher that early. So so position scarcity is a big thing for you. Uh, it, it, that position specifically. Outside of that, I pay zero attention. From there, I want the two biggest bats. It doesn't matter to me what position they're in. I want a top catcher. I want two big bats and then uh, two big arms to start. From there, I will go ahead and make up for whatever I lost because I'm not paying attention to the shortstops going quickly or uh, third base going quickly. So after that is where I'll start picking up and, and trying to make up for it. But at the at the beginning, get me my catcher and uh, and then get me the the best available regardless of position. That's my beginning philosophy. Only if so many catchers get. Yeah, you only have about five of them. I think uh, with redraft, something that I look into is what kind of moves have been made in the offseason. You know, you look at uh, Mookie Betts going to L.A. Dave Roberts already said he's going to be batting the leadoff or just a, a killer lineup there. Other things like uh, Joe Madden going to Anaheim. Mm. Joe Madden doesn't like to steal bases. So you should expect a little downtick and things like that. You know, once uh, Joe Adele gets brought up, a lot of people think he's a 30-30 threat. You probably won't be with Joe Madden. You know, maybe you're going to be looking at only 10 stolen bases out of the kid. Good point. You know, a lot of people are looking at uh, two 
legit arms in the first four rounds. Uh, I look at uh, pitchers as a position that'll break your heart. I want to uh, get the the most reliable big bats in my first five rounds, and then maybe I'll uh, I'll look at the best pitcher available maybe in round six or seven, and then the I'm just going to load up on high upside lottery tickets. Number three types that they're going to get me the innings. They're going to uh, you know might not give me the 10k per nine uh stats but shit i'll take 180 innings and 170 strikeouts out of a guy that's going to give me 12 wins if that means that uh, i'm going to be able to lock up like uh anthony rizzo or um or like a glaber torres early you know things like that Mm -hmm. um so i I want the sure thing in my early rounds i would definitely go with uh if I was early, I would take Cody Bellinger. Number one, the versatility of being able to play first base and outfield. And then judging how your you know your draft goes later on, you don't necessarily have to get a first baseman as there's not as many outfielders or first baseman as outfield. So I would definitely go Bellinger. First base is a little top heavy too. And outfielders, there's plenty. But if there's a good first baseman to get a little later and I could put Bellinger to the outfield, I'm not losing anything. And that, that kind of feeds into my strategy, which is really about being knowledgeable about sleepers and who has the potential to help in, a, in an area where people aren't valuing them as much. It's gotten tougher and tougher as the information has gotten better on the internet and magazines. So for me in particular, I try to look at a minimum of 10 plus sources to try to get an understanding of the numbers, get comfortable with the numbers, the eye tests, what are different writers saying? So for me, the fact that Bellinger has both outfield and first base eligibility means that if I think there's someone, a deep sleeper like an Evan White in Seattle, that I could actually wait and sit on him because I know I've already got first base covered if I need to, but then I can actually get this guy and then move Bellinger to the outfield. Now, pitching that's something you really have to do the work on because if, if you've got to know how your league scores pitching yeah, and you really not, need to understand where they slot in because at times pitchers can be far more valuable than hitters. And if you get a couple of really key pitchers, you can take your league. But I know my hitting better than pitching. I think it's much harder to find the upside pitching than it is to find the upside hitting. Man, I wish I was in a redraft lead with the three of you because I think I'd have the best <laughs> pitchers out there. I um. You'd have like the that. best known pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. No. I. I. Um. I. Kind of a combination between you and Justin is is kind of where I'm at. And and as I said, I like to to get you know two good arms and and two big bats. Uh, I find myself more times than not spending two of the first three picks on pitching. Mm. Um. If I don't get a couple of those very top tier guys. I'm okay at that point waiting till Justin's ready to, you know what I mean? Waiting a couple rounds. I don't, for whatever reason, I tend to stay away from the second, third tier pitchers for, mm-hmm. and, uh, and if I don't get that first tier, then I'll go bat heavy and, and start picking it up uh, in the fourth and, and fifth, sixth tiers and hope that, like Justin, that I get somebody that, you know, jumps up a, a, a notch. Uh, in one of my current leagues, we do individual pitchers and uh, streaming guys is big time. Everybody's streaming starting pitchers. And I mean, we're just looking at the waiver wire, who's starting that day, looking at matchups, who's pitching against the Tigers, who's pitching against the Marlins in, in Miami. You know, it's mm-hmm. things like that. It could be some dude that 
you know, just got brought up from AAA for a spot start. You know, if he's got the right matchup, boom, you just nailed a 20-point start. That's exactly how I do it for DFS. Is I look for guys that are coming up yep. in AAA that are going to play the weaker teams that have a good numbers in AAA, yep. and they're not ever a lot of money on the, the DFS sites, and I kill them on them. Yep. Yeah, that's right. The ultimate redraft league, right? Daily fantasy. And for you, Mikey, it's all about finding those market imbalances, right? Those Those high upside value picks so that you can actually win money day in and day out, right? Yeah, I mean, I like to I like to find a, a couple cheap guys, like really cheap guys that people would not normally use. That way the percentage is up on them in case they hit. And that also allows you to fill your roster with the expensive guys, the guys that you mm-hmm. definitely or know are going to hit because they're facing a great matchup in a great park. And, you know, if you can't get that many guys like that, if you don't have a bunch of good value picks, especially at pitcher, because pitcher... You can have a pitcher that's worth 10, 12 million and then find a good pitcher from AAA that's like 65, 68, you know, 68,000, sorry, 6,800. Yeah, definitely value in the pitcher. Definitely coming out from AAA is a good, 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 good find. So the Redraft League is, in all honesty, probably a gateway drug, right? And you get really into this and you want to go ahead and (laughs) start to, uh, what would it be like? You ask yourself, what would it be like to be a general manager? What would it be like to actually run a team over time? And this really separates the adults from the kids when it comes to fantasy baseball. Yes. So how do you go at a Dynasty League draft that is just starting out, that this is a brand new league, new Dynasty League? I know there's a number of different ways or different styles of Dynasty Leagues that you can have, but let's just think about this as a, this is a keeper league, we're going to keep all the players. How do you go at this type of draft? So Mikey, let's start with you. Who goes number one in this type of draft for you? I'm going to say I would take a Kuna, Bob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, even if someone's not a Braves fan like yourself, that's a good call. Yeah. <laughs> no, I yes. think that's that's for real. Whether you're a Braves guy or not, it, it's a Kuna. Yeah, the, the power speed threat, the the batting average. I mean, like... The age. The, the age, correct. Just a baby. I think saying that Mike Trout was a once in a 50 year type of type of player, I think Acuna is kind of overriding that that initial perspective. I don't play dynasty the dynasty a whole lot different than I do the um, the year by year. In other words, um in my philosophy is I know that I'm going to be able to make the deals later on uh if I need to. Um so while everyone's focus uh, going from redraft to a dynasty uh, is going to drop in age immediately, um, all of a sudden the younger guys are you know more impressive and more interesting and so on and so forth. So I let that happen. Again, I don't try to get old guys because it is dynasty. I don't want to start a dynasty league with Encarnacion if I can help it, right? But uh, what tends to happen is that the guys that are ready to win now kind of get you know, devalued in dynasty leagues. And um, so I tend to sneak in and just go ahead and scoop them up and try to make my run right away. And then, like I said, the issue, if anything, is whether I'm able to to make moves and trades over the next couple of years, because again, my team is generally older than my competitors at that point to start. You want to win within the first couple of years, you have to take a chance on some of the older guys having comeback years or something to that effect for sure i agree with that but i would still take akuna number one <laughs> yeah yeah me, me too yeah <laughs> me yeah. me too <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think many of us would just the combination of his youth is he's already done it on the major league level that he's on a team on the rise right everything about this says right why would you not start with acuna however i have heard about some people 
maybe someone would go with a with a, a minor leaguer, you know, somebody who maybe like a Luis Robert who may uh, actually have a huge potential going down the road. But I don't know how you could do that with uh, going at somebody who has not swung a major league bat. Right. I, even, yeah, the best prospects, even now, even the, the Wander Francos and it, those it, hope to become Acuna and Acuna just started, right? So you're right. He, he's the the perfect specimen and the perfect timing right. for a dynasty league to start today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Lou Brock actually had a great quote. And he said, the definition of a prospect is someone who hasn't proven shit. <laughs> wow. I like it. This coming from the pseudo scout. Yeah. You know what? There is this little thing I want to add about Dynasty Leagues. And in particular, and hey, look, this is this is free for you listeners, those who want to win, is mm. health is a skill. Mm. What I mean by that is that if you can, if you're injury prone, that is... Going, that means you're going to be more likely to get injured. And in part, some of these uh, these injuries can be based on the positions you play. So when you think about Cody Bellinger, he has multiple positional eligibility. He also plays first base. And the fact that he can actually um, you know, play in a position that doesn't have as much physical demands as maybe, say, diving for... Uh, uh, for for balls out in the outfield and uh, outfield, and he can kind of lessen some of the wear and tear on his body. Darren Erstad, Brady Sizemore, yeah. So for me, the only other person in this discussion that we should even be talking about is Cody Bellinger, based on the position he plays, the age he plays, and the fact that he plays on on the Dodgers. Yeah, this is obviously a team that's going to continue to put the money into the the you know the lineup, great lineup, right? They're not going anywhere, right? Right. Yep. Yeah, they're going to continue to invest in that team. And so the reality is that Cody Bellinger is the only other person I would think about in terms of starting a dynasty fantasy league, and maybe you get him at number two even. And the only other thing is that I too am more likely to just stream pitching. I, you know, it's going to be so hard for me to figure out whose arm's going to stay attached, whose arm's going to fall off. So for me, I'm just streaming pitching. Right. Yep. yep. It's inevitable. It's yeah, no, for Dynasty, right? Yeah, Justin's point on on, on the first uh, segment, yeah, is is even more so here, right? The the longer you're talking about keeping the guy, the better chance you have of it falling apart. So yes, I agree. Pitching becomes less of a uh, again, obviously, you know, a concern because it's part of the game, but much less, in my opinion, long term. I tell you what, a uh, maybe a dark horse um, to look at number one in a Dynasty, Juan Soto. I think we could be looking at the new uh, Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols. I think Juan. I think Juan Soto is that natural of a hitter. I mean, that kid's going to bat. I mean, if you, if we look at a season where he where he bats three twenty with forty two and you know just insane counting stats, two hundred plus, uh, going on for ten years. I mean, that's. I seriously think Juan Soto is, is that type of guy. He, he's insane. He is incredible. And he's young. He's a baby. Yes, he is. You know, there's one thing I really do love about Juan Soto, other than how good he is at playing baseball, is his uh, approach at the plate. So depending on the situation, the pitch count, 
he actually does these different types of dances hey. at the plate, and it's yeah. a lot of fun. And for guys <laughs> like us who are old enough to have kids in the MLB, <laughs> kind of makes me think of Nomar Gassiopara, but more animated, <laughs> more fun. What a great player to watch. What a great player to see actually play the game of baseball. Absolutely, I agree. He follows the ball all the way into the catcher's glove, even if it's a ball. It's pretty amazing to watch. Sometimes he acts like he's in a swing with his hand without the bat. I mean, his timing is impeccable. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Juan Soto, dark horse number one in a couple of years from now. If we look back, uh, I, I think he's going to be putting up those type of numbers. So we have Acuna. We have Bellinger. We have Soto. Swag, do you have anybody to add? JT Realmuto. <laughs> Give me my catcher, goddammit. <laughs> No, as far as, yeah, as far, if I was number one overall, I, yeah, I, I agree, I guess, with the two comparisons, but yeah, I'm, I'm Acuna all the way. All right, so there you have it. So if you are in a dynasty league and you have the coveted number one pick and you don't pick Acuna, stop listening now. Stop listening. We just want winners listening to this podcast. You do not belong <laughs> listening to this podcast if you don't take Acuna number one overall. Now let's move on to something that what I call late stage dynasty. So all of us are actually in the league that has been around for over 30 years. Yes, 30 years, if you can believe it. And late stage dynasty is very interesting because the strategies over time develop. And so we wanted to bring some of that knowledge to this podcast right here to talk about what do we do and how have strategies changed over time and how do we continue to win over time, given the fact that we played with the same owners for many, many years. And the game itself has changed. I mean, seriously, like these young players that are coming up today, nothing like it was 15, 20, 25 years ago. 100%. Used to be 24, 25 before you came up. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. And then it took a couple years to really see what you were made of. Right. 27 was the prime. Now they're they're coming in at 20 and just raising. Right. I was going to say, now there's, right, there's, you know, a, a handful of them each year that are coming in before they even hit the prospect list. Right. Like they're, they're just like, oh, here's that guy. And then he's, you know, the Acuna Soto They're All of a sudden they're, they're dominating in major league baseball. And, um, and you never even got to really rate them, you know, rank them in the prospect list. Cause they moved up so quickly. I just want to bring up that we have been doing fantasy baseball. We used to take the scores out of the newspaper before there was fantasy <laughs> baseball sites. So That's great. That's truth. The love is real. <laughs> yep. The USA Today was our internet at that time. <laughs> Fred McGriff and, uh, and Wade Boggs were in our league. Oh, sweet. <laughs> and, 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 and that's not when they were with the, uh, the Rays, huh? Yeah, no, yeah, when they, yeah, <laughs> prior to the Rays even. Alfonso Soriano was a big, big trade when nobody knew who he was. The next thing you know, he did what was almost 40-40 the next year. Remember yeah, that? He did do a 40-40, yeah. Yeah, man, we were so old. I mean, the, the PED era, we actually were out before it and then lived through it. So we would always pay attention to, in our redraft leagues, who came back to camp, you know, 20 pounds heavier, <laughs> who had a great conditioning program. But it's crazy. So when you think about this now, uh, with such history, such knowledge, you understand the other owner's tendencies, you, you know what they're looking for. How in the heck do you stay relevant? How in the heck do you stay on top? Swag, how do you continue to win when you're in a late stage league like this? Yeah, with with late stage, you got a, a lot of different possibilities, right? We happen to keep like full teams in in um like in the league that we all play in. Um so the draft is not 
you know, what it once was. Um, you got 12 very smart owners with uh, uh, full teams of um, major and minor league players. You can't just go out and look at the uh, the top 10 prospect lists anymore. It, it, tag them and bag them. I, I, <laughs> I take the prospects, I promote the prospects, and I trade the prospects. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. Prospects have very little value to me. You know, uh, I like uh, uh, Lou Brock's statement there. You know, not a whole lot's changed, I guess, in my philosophy from one to the other. But um, I try to build what I can now, win now. Uh, there will be more prospects next year. There will be more yes. prospects in the futures game. There will be more prospects when the draft happens. And um, so I do try to stay on top of that and pay attention. I try to get the best prospects when no one else is paying attention. Uh, right now, that's not going to happen. But, um, you know, two, three months from now, all of a sudden, everybody kind of lays back a little bit, gets comfy with what they already have. And then the guys that start popping up, I try to grab uh, again with the idea of promoting them and trading them for somebody that can help me today. So, so you have to pay attention to when a prospect is hot. You have to know mm-hmm. exactly when they get as hot as they possibly do yep. so that you can then move them for maximum value. Correct. Yep. They're, if they're going to be good in two years, three years, that has no value to me because I'm not keeping them. And I know that you guys can have those guys. I want somebody that's going to be good now, whether or not they're going to be good in three months doesn't matter to me. <laughs> well, what if you're going into a late stage dynasty league as a new owner? So Justin, I know you're in a situation where that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Like me coming into the league now, starting from scratch, and there isn't squat on the wire for me to to start (laughs) with um i mean take your lumps boy oh and it's going to be like that for a very long time so surely there's a couple listeners that are in this same situation and uh you you just have to develop young you have to be on top of that kind of thing so my perspective uh some things that i plan on uh providing in in future episodes uh those are the type of people that i plan on helping out so if you're a new owner in a, an existing dynasty league that's been around for a while, really the youth movement is the only way you can go, given that all the other available players are pretty much scooped up. That's correct. Yeah, I'll be that guy that can help you out. Not all prospects are going to pan out, but um, really, you know, I got a pretty good uh, perspective on, and uh, idea on skill set, what's going to be able to translate, um, who's actually not blocked uh, by a, a major leaguer. Yeah, I think I'll be able to uh, to steer those people in the right direction. It might not happen overnight, but uh, they'll be in a really good spot for a couple years from now, and hopefully everything clicks. Mikey, you've got a ton of championship rings. How the heck do you do it in a late-stage dynasty league? Me, personally, I just want everybody to know that I'm fluent in many different languages. <laughs> Konnichiwa. I have a lot of family in many different countries placed throughout the world. No, I mean, what you guys are saying is right. There's nobody left on the, on the prospect list that, that nobody knows of. So you have to go and you have to find somebody before people find them. You have to find somebody before they hit the prospect list. You have to look at the international market because there's a lot of international players that are getting big money that are coming into the league. And if you're not looking at the college numbers, then you're, you're missing out too because there's a mm-hmm. lot more players in the last five years that are coming from college instead of straight from high school that are actually really good players where that used to not be that good if you went to play college. That's not the case anymore. People are going to college to get a little bit of, a, a little bit of a training, a little bit of knowledge. 
So yeah, I think that if you're in a deep league and you feel like you're lost, you have to take chances. You have to be the first one to find these guys and you have to look other places than the prospect list. You have to make your own list and hope they make the prospect list in the next year or two, which I'm pretty good at. Yeah, as someone who has lost to you several times in my life and big, big games, yeah, I'd say you're pretty, pretty good at that. I found Albert Pujols. Indeed you did. So my approach to competing, especially with the, uh, against the strategies that you talked about before, is to really make sure that I understand what the value of my players actually are. So for me, I don't have time to wait for a full prospect cycle for uh, prospects to actually mature. I, I, I want to move that cycle along more quickly. So if I have a player that I believe has a, had a career year, even though the next year might be pretty darn good, I want to move that player now so I can get maximum value, younger talent that I can actually then grow over the next couple of years to be relevant. And for me, being able to shorten that cycle is the way that I absolutely want to win the leagues. I like taking a team, tearing it apart, building it back up. Got to be smart. I can't just go on a whim. I got to know what I'm talking about for my current players, and I got to know what I'm talking about in terms of who I want to get. And I have to give value to the other guy, or excuse me, I have to give value to the other player who, the other owner who's actually looking at this and it fits their needs. I learned this from Swagger a long time ago. Make the trade and don't worry about what happens after that. Uh Especially in this league when you're playing against guys and you're likely to see someone that you move do actually uh, do, do fairly well, or in some cases doing excellent. And speaking of doing excellent, I think there are players out there right now that we may want to just give you a little nugget. So in my opinion, I think Bryce Harper is going to have a career year. I mean, it's the perfect year for him. Low expectations for the team. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. Ooh. And yeah, Swagger is a uh, he's a Philadelphia Phillies fan. But hey, uh, my fav- my Boston Red Sox aren't going to make the plan either. So do you think uh, you think Harper is going to bat two eighty plus? Yeah, I do. Yes, I think this is the year. I think this is the year that Harper does well. I think that uh, also I think it's the year Trey Turner does well. I think this is the year John Carlos Stanton gets back to form mm. and has a phenomenal year. Yeah. I mean, calf injury aside, I think Stanton's going to just have a monster year. Stanton and Turner just need to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and say that Harper's not going to have a career year because Harper's career year is ridiculous. I, I agree to that. So he'll have a great year. Yeah. But that year, he, he, he's already had his career year. That was ridiculous years. That year was bonkers. Unbelievable. I think I think he's got one left. Yeah, and it, it's going to be in a meaningless year for the Philadelphia Phillies. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I want to end the show on a very interesting note, and it could be a huge, huge deal, so I want everybody to pay attention. There's already been several pitchers that have compared the ball that they're using in spring training to the ball that was used in 2017, which means the pitchers would be able to get a lot more spin on their ball. Oh, boy. And the numbers in the minor leagues are using the same ball right now. And last year at this time, there was 2.45 home runs being hit in the minor leagues. And right now there's 1.98. Whoa. So it's definitely showing some effect. that It's not necessarily they're going to use that ball in the season. But if they do continue that, home runs will be down. Oh, my. Uh, that's really, really interesting. It sure is. So if you've listened this long in the podcast and you got that piece of information, good for you you're probably well on your way to winning your league. And that's exactly what we want for you. Look for us throughout the week. We're going to be dropping little mini episodes, talking about certain things, whether it's DFS related or if it's prospect related, or if there's some strategic moves that you need to be making. So 
Tune in. Let us know what you think. Leave some comments for us on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Give us a good rating, too. We do want some other folks, maybe not someone in your league, but definitely other players of fantasy to know who the hell we are and so we can share some of this knowledge. All right. Hope you have a great week and good luck in your drafts. Uh, We want to make sure that you're doing well and uh, we want to hear about it. So let us know. Thanks. Play ball.